the Go podcast is brought to you by The Sanctuary. For more information, please visit www.thesanctuarychurch.com. I'm continuing in this series uh, about being in captivity, but it's really got me going in a lot of different directions because there's so much in the Bible that has to say, it talks to us about what it means to live in exile. Now, have you ever heard the statement that experience is the best teacher? I hate that statement because it's unfortunately true, right? Experience is also the hardest teacher. And here's why. Because experience tends to give the test first and then you get the lesson afterward. You know, it's like most of the time I learn a lesson and then I get a test on it, right? But that's not the way experience functions. Each test in our lives brings us information and that information isn't knowledge yet because the knowledge comes from getting some experience. See, so I have this information. I go, what do I do with this information? All of a sudden I have this experience and I go, oh, and here's where the wisdom comes in. It's through that experience. And experience oftentimes is just about the only reward that we're going to get for enduring through suffering. It's like, man, what was that all about? Experience. My parents would often tell me growing up, I guess you're just one of those that has to learn the hard way. I'm like, really with that? And then, and I remember thinking, is there an easy way? Because if there is, I want to find out whatever that is. But it just seems I, I am one of those people because I, 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 I've just been enrolled in the school of hard knocks for as long as I can remember. And as far as I can see, enrollment is up. There are a lot of us in this school. And by the way, graduation is canceled due to the virus. Okay, um, but, but the problem here is, is that experience can not only teach us the right things, watch this, but experience can also teach us the wrong things. We we often learn bad things through experience and, and we tend to take those and keep those. Here's a couple of quotes that I pulled up from Mark Twain. One of my favorites, man, when you start reading about Mark Twain, it's just wonderful, regarding experience. Here's the first one. Good decisions come from experience. Experience comes from making bad decisions. Right? That is so true, right? Here's another one for you. The cat, I love this one, having sat upon a hot stove lid, will not sit upon a hot stove lid again, nor upon a cold stove lid. Isn't that true? It's kind of like us. We, We experience something bad, and so it wipes out all potential for anything else. See, again, that cat saying, well, I know that that lid was hot the last time I was on it. And so this is back in the day when they had pot belly stoves. Anyway, but, it, but, but now it's so afraid of the stove in its entirety, whether it's hot or cold, it just kind of stays away. You ever find yourself, you have a stove lid in your life? Well, a person who is bitten by a dog, right? Maybe they generally speaking, have a lifelong dislike, would I even say, a fear of dogs for the rest of their lives. Even though they had one bad encounter with a dog, but now it's all dogs. I I don't like dogs. I get nervous around dogs. People can have all kinds of fears, all sorts of phobias because of one bad dream, an accident, a tragic situation, event in their lives that sets them off 
on a, on a pathway that just sends them down this road. And, and I know I had that early on in my life. I had my brother and my best friend both died uh, within 10 days of each other. And that set me off in a pattern of decision-making because it, it, uh, it was teaching me the bad things through my experience. But see, when we experience this major trauma or a disappointment, uh, we live under a particular negative circumstance for a long time. And we tend to become hindered in our lives, in some area of our lives. And we find ourselves changing the truth of God's words and God's ways for our personal experience. Uh, again, we're interpreting the word through our experience rather than our experience through the word. We go, well, God's word isn't true because I've experienced something different. And we got to stop some of that. We come under this spirit of what I would call a spirit of captivity. It's the spirit of captivity that happens because our experience has taught us something that is completely different from God's ways and the spirit of God. And we go, well, then, then this isn't true because I have something that happened in my life that proves this isn't right. And once that spirit of captivity has taken root in our life, we all start to lose our sense of purpose, perhaps not in our entire life's purpose, but, but some aspect of it. And we may be bound by a fear of flying. We may have a pattern of persistent anger or resentment or unforgiveness because this thing occurred in our life and, and it set us, again, on a pathway we're not happy about. Though we love God with our whole heart, our past may have become so dysfunctional and full of hurt that now we can't seem to break free of the habits that we developed over that season in our lives. I'm still making decisions like I'm in captivity. We watched that happen in America when the slaves were set free with the Emancipation Proclamation. Slavery was done away with, and yet for, well, I, I believe some of it's even happening today. There's still a, a slavery mindset that takes place. Oppression. It, it sinks in, and here's what happens. I get stuck thinking old ways with old patterns like it used to be, even though it's not anymore. The only real solution is our mind must be renewed. We have to change the way we think. We have to learn a new way of living, and again, according to God's ways. I mentioned this verse a couple of weeks ago, but I think it needs repeating. Here it is, Isaiah chapter 55. Check out this verse. Verses eight and nine, my thoughts, they ain't your thoughts, nothing like your thoughts, says the Lord. My ways are so far beyond anything you could imagine. Just like the heavens are higher than the earth, my ways are so much higher than your ways and my thoughts are so much higher than your thoughts. The way that God accomplishes things surpasses the way I would do them, surpasses the way you would do them. He goes, yeah, I, I don't do things the way you do them. For example, if our pattern of growing up was that dad couldn't seem to hold a job or, or provide a stable income, then all of a sudden as an adult, without realizing it, those years in what I would call and what we've been calling a Babylonian captivity lead to a similar inconsistency in us. And I begin to act with that mentality that I had. We might find ourselves going through years of not being able to get ahead in life 
and feeling like a failure without solid goals. Like, I don't know what direction. I don't know what I'm supposed to do. We watch it happen. We, we watch it in our culture where my grandparents were divorced and my parents were divorced and I'm married, but you know what? It's only a matter of time before. Go ahead and you can finish the sentence before we're gonna be divorced. See, we begin to think with this captivity mindset. We find ourselves, again, going through years without any solid goals, without, we're feeling like a failure, like it, it, it's just a matter of time. Well, it's good now, but eventually the other shoe's gonna drop. This is how a spirit of captivity tries to destroy our purpose. We have learned something that is not in line with godliness and God's plan for our lives. The original testing that happened, it happened here. Well, it's, it's gone. And now I'm here, but man, I'm still living it out like I'm in the middle of that testing. I know for me, this, this was my struggle. For years, I struggled with a fear of death. That's what it did for me. At 20 years old, I had this, this death happen to me. My brother and my best friend, it was terrible. It was a, a, an explosion in my life, right? Everything, an earthquake moment. It rocked my world, and then I would pull up to intersections, and out of the blue think, oh, I can't go through this intersection. I would begin to get nervous. Thinking, what if a car comes through this intersection and T-bones me and kills me? And I lived like that for years under the fear of death in every situation. I'd be standing on a street corner wondering, wow, what if there was a sniper up on the top of that building and just shot me right now? I, just irrational. But you see, I, I was thinking with a captivity mindset. I was thinking in this old, this, this old way that something had happened to me, but it continued to shadow me. Paul wrote to the early Christians who were gathering in Rome at the time. The church was growing and churches were now being uh, planted all over the world. Paul wrote several letters. You read ones to Thessalonica. You read ones to Romans. You read the Corinth church. And he writes these letters to the church that's growing. But in his letter to Rome, he gives us insight into this revelation. And he provides some hands-on ways to change the wrong mindset that we've got. Check this out. Open your Bibles to Romans chapter 12. You're gonna love this. One of my favorite, I memorized it early on because man, I knew this is something I gotta know, I gotta know, I got to know. Romans chapter 12, verses one and two. And so dear brothers and sisters, oh, he calls us beloved, the dear brothers and sisters, I plead with you, I am begging you Give your bodies to God because of all he's done for you. Let them be a living and holy sacrifice, the kind he finds acceptable. This is truly the way to worship him. This is your spiritual worship or your reasonable service. Well, how are we supposed to do that? That's where verse two comes in. Don't copy the behavior and customs of this world, but let God, would you say that word with me? transform you into a new person. Here it is, this word again, changing the way you think. That's how we get transformed, by letting God change the way we think. Then, after we've changed the way our thinking is happening, after we've let God transform us, then we will learn to know God's will for our lives, which is good and pleasing and perfect. Now, I gotta tell you, Paul is asking us to keep ourselves pure. Paul's saying, hey, I need you to keep yourselves pure. He's very clear about it. 
Purity in this particular context is looking to God for our values and standards and not the world's. He makes it very clear. See, because when our flesh hasn't been doing what it's supposed to be doing, we got to turn around and take charge and say, hey, hey, that's enough. No more of that. You need to stop that. It could be engaging in serious substance abuse or an addiction or a bad habit of gossip. It might be an excessive need for attention or approval or bad spending habits. And that's, again, where verse 2 comes in. And it offers us further help. It tells us, don't be conformed to the world. That means we got to decide not to play the world's game and not by the world's rules. It says, well, if you're going to do it, then you have to do this. Oh, you know what? Debt is good. You need to have, to, every young person needs to have debt. Make sure they get credit cards and build up a credit score. You need to have debt. Man, that's not what the Bible says. The Bible says stay out of debt. Well, how am I supposed to get a good credit score? Stay out of debt. I don't know about credit scores. That's the world's ways. And there's a rule that goes with it. Make sure you have lots of it. Get a new car, get some new clothes, treat yourself, go out for dinner. Make sure you have lots of debt because that'll give you a good credit score. Wait, what? What, That's what happens when I don't make my payments. Oh, you get a bad credit score. Oh, well, I'm making all this money during the pandemic, man. They're paying me even more than I was making when I was working. So I bought this car and I bought these clothes and I got, and now I'm back to work, but I don't have the money to pay. Does anybody understand what I'm talking about here? It means that we realize God has a different pattern for our lives. He says, I have a plan. I've created you. I know who you are and I know how this world functions, but I got to tell you how to function in this world. That's what the Bible's for. Because I go, this world doesn't play by your rules. What, how, do I, how do I function your way in this place? And he goes, oh, pick this up then. We need to learn how to live by the Bible if we are going to thrive. Having a biblical worldview. And that's what it means to be transformed. Our mind has to change what it felt secure believing and it was always gravitating toward before. Why can't I just keep that now? Here's what we got to do with God's help and with the Holy Spirit by our side. We got to take our everyday, our average life, our getting up, our going to work, our eating, walking around, going to the gym, right? Hanging out with friends. We got to take that life and place it before God as an offering. Lord, this thing that you gave me belongs to you. Live through me. We have to learn to embrace what God does for us as the best thing that we can do for him. Listen to me. What God is doing for us is the best thing we can do for him. Just go ahead and just do it. Live through me. Again, it's time for us to be uncomfortable in our culture. Let's stop working overtime to fit in. Instead, we got to fix our attention on God and he'll, he'll change us. He will transform us from the inside out. And that's why people go, I don't get it. What's different? What's going on with them? Because it's happening on the inside. It's easy. So, oh, they got a haircut. See, that's a change on the outside. But it's harder to tell what's happening on the inside of that person because God is transforming and it starts here. We'll be able to recognize what God wants for us and what God wants from us. And we respond to that accordingly. I know this is what God wants me to do. He says, hey, that's why it's an acceptable act of worship. Unlike the culture around us, it's always dragging us down to its level of immaturity. God is trying to mature us. 
We got to go through a process of renewing our mind and relearning how to live, especially when we've been captive to something. We know that. We may need to attend the school of God's spirit just for a season, learning new mindsets in one area or another because we're being rehabilitated. I'm coming out of that system. See, I, I used to function like this in high school and in college and early on in my marriage before we had kids, but now that I have kids, I can't function like that anymore. See, before I got married, I used to act like this, but I can't act like that anymore because now I'm married. Each step along the way says, hey, you gotta stop acting like that. That was then, this is now. The next time that we are pressed with a trial and the devil begins to beat us down. Here's what happens. We revert back to the old ways that we used to do. Well, I might as well just go back to that old way. Now, if we grew up in our lives that drug or alcohol abuse was something that was part of our lifestyle, well, we're required to form a new pattern. And that new pattern has to come from here. But we have to be armed with a source of dependency, See, I'm dependent on this thing over here. Now what am I dependent on? I just have, I have an addiction personality. You've heard people say that. Well, what are you addicted to? Well, today it's shopping. No, I, I think God's saying, I need you to be addicted to me. Addicted to my love for you. Addicted to my presence. Like I can't, I can't get enough of God. I, I want to be with him as much as I can. And so I find myself on break, running out to my car to read my Bible, to sit in silence, to capture and realign my presence to his presence. Our mind begins to experience these new things. And, and we, we stop going back to the old stuff because we replace the old stuff with new stuff that is actually, here's this great word, satisfying it actually pulls through on the promise it actually fulfills the promise that it's making and i'll tell you what they become dependable weapons during the times where we're getting tampered with you ever feel like somebody's just messing with me so, man who's is, am i on a, a reality tv show are there kidding cameras because man who's messing with me the world is messing with you and here's why because the world wants you to play according to its rules and play its game John 10, 10, Jesus talks to us about trials. He tells us that we have a common enemy. And Jesus said he's a freaking thief. And you know what a thief does? He says the purpose is to steal, to kill, and to destroy. And then Jesus says, but my purpose is to give a rich, I love this, and satisfying life. Our enemy all of our enemy, he's a thief. And he uses the spirit of captivity to steal from us. I, I just have to ask, how many of us are exhausted of having to call in and file another police report after being robbed emotionally, physically, spiritually, relationally, mentally? I'm just constantly getting robbed. And, and, and Jesus says, oh, I wanna give you a satisfying life. Well, today, that's where we're going to open up your apps today. Today, I want to look at the numerous signs that we're in captivity. <gasps> they're not easy to see, but so many times they're even more difficult to admit. So here's what I want to do. I want to encourage you today to 
ask yourself, take some freestyle notes and ask yourselves about these signs of captivity. You know you're heading in, in that direction when you see the signs along the way, right? If I want to go to Disneyland and I see next stop Sacramento, I'm, I probably got on the five freeway in the wrong direction, right? So you check out signs to know where you're headed. I want to give you some signs today. And I'm, I'm going to ask you that you, you might check with a friend on some of these. Do, does this describe me? People that you trust, people that are faithful mirrors for you, that you can see a, a healthy reflection of who you are to go, yeah, that, that does, you struggle with that. Okay, I thought I did, but I wasn't sure. And when I heard that, I thought, ah. So I'm, I'm going to ask you to keep some freestyle notes again. And if you hear something that pings like, Bong, oh, oh, wait, that, that's something that stands out to me, then listen, I, I want you to just write it down. I got, I got to work on that. And because uh, quite honestly, there's some fill-ins at the end, but I'm just going to go through several things here. I'm going to put them up on the screen. Here's one. Here's the first one. Have you been robbed of your identity? It's, it's our identity. See, captivity keeps us from feeling like we fit in with the rest of the family of God. Well, I know other Christians are like that. I just, I can't seem to, you know, I'm, I'm unable to see myself as a vital part of the body of Christ in the kingdom. Essentially, uh, I just don't belong. What I have done somehow makes me different and unacceptable. I realize you can be forgiven, but man, just God has this thing in my life. And All right, here's another one. Are you forfeiting your anointing? Are you forfeiting your anointing? Captivity causes us to stop sensing God's presence. That's where anointing comes in when, when God's presence is with us. See, we lose our ability to worship freely and intimately. Well, I can't worship God. I mean, he's here, she's here, they're here, they're watching. Who cares? I worship for an audience of one. My voice may not be the best voice in the room. I may not have the rhythm Man, did you see Dan this morning on drums? That man was playing the rhythm this morning, man. He put the groove into groove this morning. But see, I go, I don't have that kind of rhythm. And listen, my worship isn't for Dan. It's, it's for the God of the universe. This morning, I don't know where you're at. Maybe you're in a room all by yourself and you go, I can't worship just by myself. Yes, you can. Listen to me. That's, that's a spirit of captivity that's robbing you of your anointing. We try to worship and we feel empty and dry and our mind gets cluttered and it drifts back to our problems. You're being robbed of your anointing. Here's another one for you. Have you ever lost your vision? See, captivity takes away our sense of purpose in life. You ever found yourself wandering from one thing to another, trying to find satisfaction? Maybe this thing. Oh, that didn't work. How about this thing? And you just go from one hobby. That's what we try and call them. That's a polite way of saying loss of direction. We find these hobbies, but ultimately the lack of vision smothers our long-term goals, our vision, our confidence in the talents that God has given us. And we quit using our talents. We go, you know what, I, I, you know, I just, I, I'm really not doing anything significant anyway. So th- here's what happens. Our struggle becomes larger than our goals. So we stop looking at what I wanted in life and I go, well, this is what I have in life. We have phrases for it. These are the cards I was dealt that just say, I'm not going to dream anymore. How about authority? Is your authority being neutralized? See, captivity deactivates our spiritual warfare. We become paralyzed by certain events and the reminders of times where we have failed before. Why even try this time? This is what happened last time. 
So I'm not even going to fight it. We determine there's no point in even trying to overcome this problematic issue in our lives because I know it's just going to blow up in my face again. We're probably just going to fail all over again. We see ourselves as inadequate. We're a warrior with no anointing. And, and you know what? We'll just fail. We're not going to stand victorious over these forces that are, everybody's against me. That's captivity mindset. Here's another one, confidence. You have a lack of security, that's what captivity does. It undermines our confidence. How many of us are struggling with finishing strong? I know I do. When we're robbed of our confidence, we become apologetic. We become unsure of ourselves. Some of us, when we venture into something new, we have no fruit to show for it. And so you know what we do? We just go, ah. Now, besides stealing from us, that enemy who steals from us, that spirit of captivity leaves us with feelings, uh, what I would call overwhelming emotions that tend to direct us, tend to direct our choices. Have you ever felt surrounded, overwhelmed? Have you ever felt as though you can't see a way out because there's too many problems to handle? It's like, where do I start, man? I, I got this and that and that. And, that. <sighs> and captivity tries to take all that God has imparted into our lives and, and then make us feel surrounded and overwhelmed. And you know what? Again, give in. Have you ever felt purposeless or empty? You ever have those empty feelings? It's when we feel like we can't seem to get a fresh word from the direction or, or direction from the Lord. It's like, I want to know, but I just, I'm just kind of empty. It's almost like there's some sort of blinder over our spiritual insight. We can't seem to discern what is the problem, let alone what's the answer. I, I don't even know what's wrong. I mean, it's like something's going on. What's going on with you? I don't know. We really need spiritual intuition to see the solution for what God has, what's going on in our lives. Because God wants to resolve those circumstances. We try reading scripture, but it's just dry. It's just blank. We don't know where to even begin with our prayers. That's where the Bible says the Holy Spirit will help you with that. He'll teach you how to pray. Sometimes we're afraid to move forward. You ever feel intimidated? That's a tough one. Feeling intimidated, running from our problems because we're too anxious to address them. I'm like, ah. Sometimes we feel confused. You ever find yourself in that place where I just, I just don't know? I don't have a plan for my life. I, I get tangled up so easily. It seems like I'm tripping on everything. Noticing confused people are also, by the way, divisive, disagreeable. People who are confused, man, oh, yeah, yeah. And then, watch, here's what happens. It's, it's catching. Man, I was with them today, and now I'm confused. can't seem to get along with anyone or anything. These confused people, they just don't know where they're headed in life, and so they just start grasping at things, and sometimes they're grasping at you. Or maybe you're grasping at them. You ever feel like you're losing sight where you are spiritually blind? Ugh. It's just something that prevents us from seeing God's fresh move and purpose in our lives. Many in captivity are bound by a, a formula and religion. Well, if I read my Bible, everything's going to go great. That's not in the Bible. 
Well, if I go to church, my marriage will be excellent. That's not a promise. But so we have this religious formula, and, and that prevents us from accurately discerning the will of God. Remember, you want to know his good, pleasing, and perfect will for your life? Then you got to let God transform the way you think, changing the way you think. And so those people who are in that captivity, they head down a road. I, I know I did. I head down this road, and I adopted all kinds of strange ideas. Again, who stands on a street corner wondering if I'll be assassinated? I'm no, but why would somebody assassinate me? But it's strange, the stuff that would go through my mind when I was living in a captive lifestyle. Now, enough already. Pastor Marty, you're depressing me. I know, I know. This stuff that I struggle with, the depression kicks in and I go, ah, hey, wait, I'm not supposed to be thinking like this. And I got to get back to the truth. I have to apply the truth to my life. But I'll tell you what, if you identify with any of these symptoms, if you realize, ooh, man, you talked about freestyle noting. I, I, I couldn't write it down fast enough. I got that one and that one and that one. It was like a checklist. In the name of Jesus, I want you to hear something. Please do not give up. Let's keep going, and here's why. Because Jesus came to set you free. That's the hope. That's the hope that we have. And I want you to know, Jesus opened his ministry to let you know that. He opened his whole ministry with this scripture. He quotes Isaiah chapter 61. He quotes it in Luke chapter four. Check this out. You're gonna love this. Luke chapter four, starting in verse 18. Jesus speaking here. He says, oh man, guys, check this out. The spirit of the Lord is upon me. He's anointed me to bring good news to the poor. Okay, what, what, what exactly does this good news look like? Well, here it is. He sent me to proclaim that what? Captives will be released that the blind are going to see, the oppressed are going to be set free, and that the time of the Lord's favor has come. That is for you, beloved. That word in Luke chapter 4, verses 18 and 19, Isaiah 61, maybe you want to write that down and say, wait a minute, this is what Jesus says to me. I've come to set the captives free. Because when we become Christians... When you and I surrender our lives and say, Jesus, that ministry, the ministry you just talked about, I want that in my life. I'm turning my life over to you. He sets us free from the power of captivity so that, watch this, he can rebuild our lives as the temple of God. Isn't that what we've been talking about in this exile and captivity is that they need to leave Babylon and rebuild the temple. Well, that's a physical temple. I'm here to tell you, Jesus wants to rebuild a spiritual temple. He wants to rebuild a place of worship. A place, listen to this, where the Spirit of God resides. That's what the temple was. Now, a lot of believers don't let go of the influence of Babylon. We live like we're still there. Because they feel like, well, you know, it wasn't my fault that I was taken there. I'm, I'm not to blame for that. You know, my parents didn't take proper responsibility for raising me. So many of us use as an excuse these things in our lives to remain with a Babylonian mindset, a captive mindset for the rest of our lives. But I'm here to tell you truly to be set free after, and listen to me, beloved, please hear this, after our lives have been tampered with. Somebody has messed with us. Several years ago, I, I did a, a sermon where I brought in an electrical panel. 
And I said, somebody pulled out the wire out of this one and stuck it into that one. And so when, when somebody comes up and rings your doorbell, the garbage disposal goes off because I've been rewired. This is not the way I'm supposed to function. And then somebody else came on. That first boyfriend took out this wire and stuck in this wire. My mom left. My dad was an alcoholic. My parents got divorced. And our lives are rewired. And God says, hey, listen, I have a plan of restoration and reconciliation for your life. A friend of mine, she admitted she had a temper. And she was feeling pretty bad after blowing up at somebody. And then she commented, you know, the Lord knows I can't help it. I'm Italian. You know, Italians have tempers. And all I could think is, well, the Holy Spirit's in you and he's not Italian. Holy Spirit's in you. He wants to free you, listen to this, from that captivity mindset. I'm Italian, I get angry. I'm Irish, I drink a lot. Whatever it is, wait a minute. Someone may have hurt you and left you with broken places and bruises in your life. And I want you to hear that God wants you to get past that hurt so it doesn't keep you in bondage doing the things that you hate for the rest of your life. And while in captivity, I gotta tell you, the children of Israel had to take responsibility for their exile, even though the exile wasn't their responsibility. They were there for 70 years. There were people born in exile who were like, why are we here? I didn't do anything to get me here. It was them. They were the ones who were disobedient that got us into Babylon to begin with, but I didn't do anything. They had no part in committing the sins that caused them to be taken into Babylon. Well, you and I, again, are the temple of Jesus and he wants to rebuild us. And the Holy Spirit wants to separate us from the memories and the influences of our past in order to make good things come about in our lives. Jesus living through us forces out those bad habits and attitudes, the feelings of failure in our lives. Paul writes this in 2 Corinthians, 2 Corinthians chapter 6, verses 16 and 17. He says, what union can there be between God's temple and idols? We're the temple of the living God. As God said, I'm going to live in them, and I'm going to walk among them, I'm going to be their God, they're going to be my people, therefore come out from among them, those unbelievers, separate yourselves from them. Don't touch their filthy things. I will welcome you. This is what God is looking for with each one of us. He wants to remove the spirit of captivity from our lives so that there's more room for him in our lives. How many times have I said, I just want more of God in my life only to have him respond the same. I just want more of you in my life. Please don't miss verse 18 though. This is where 2 Corinthians is beautiful. Paul says this, I'm gonna be your father. Listen to the words that God uses. You will be my sons and daughters, says the Lord Almighty. Beloved, when we know our heavenly father, we become unfamiliar with any other family. Unfamiliar with a work family, unfamiliar with our families of origin, literally our DNA. It's like, that's not my family anymore. This is my family. God is my family. God is my father. My brothers and sisters, we got weird uncles. That's me, right? We got uh, this family of God. It's got all the quirky people in it. I get it, but we're the family of God. And this is how our family functions. Our father wants to be our greatest source of influence and replace what we once knew. Ask the Lord, beloved, ask the Lord for him to reveal himself as the father. For many For so many whose lives have been tampered with, this is difficult to do because 
so many people didn't have a positive fatherly influence and that got kind of warped and again, we see things differently. But ask the Lord to help you receive him as father, as the good father that he is. We don't always have to understand how he does it because the Lord's ways, again, are higher than our ways. But he can impart miracles that will shake us up and change our outlook and and give us a, a different position on the moments of our lives. I'm gonna see that differently. Here's four positive aspects. Here's where the notes come in. Here's four positive steps that we can take to get free from captivity in our life. Here's the first one. Expose the captivity. Let's just own it. Acknowledge what's holding you back. It can be a type of fear, I I don't know, an attitude, words, or addiction, but we gotta be willing to see these areas as they are and call them as they are. That's captivity, that's bondage in my life. We gotta expose the root to prevent it from growing back. Going back to garden principles, right? Right? We gotta expose the root. You, You pull out the weed, just cut off the top, that weed is still gonna grow back face these things in our lives. We have to face them and start a new life with a new direction. Here's the second one, let it go. Let go of excuses. Let's take responsibility for living as a captive. I don't, let's not blame our mom, let's not blame our sister, let's not blame our dad, let's not blame our uncle. I realize these people have, again, have messed with us. They have rewired us. But how or why we were invaded or exiled can no longer be our focus. We need to repent now for the decisions that we have made for our actions before the Lord so that we can move on and we can claim our real purpose in life. Here's another one. Separate yourself from Babylon. I want you to hear this clearly. Separate from Babylon. Decide, you know what? I don't want to live with captivity in my life anymore and be willing to do everything anything to detach from it. The children of Israel had to make that decision to come out of their captivity, to change their habits. They couldn't keep going back to what they knew was familiar, worshiping foreign gods. There's a whole story in there. They had to learn a whole new way of living. And lastly, I want to tell you this again, run to the Father. Run to the Father. This is so incredibly important. When we decide to see God as our father, beloved, listen to me, all other control figures in our lives will start to weaken as the culture of our new family takes over. God is my father and he's a good father. God wants good for me. God has a plan for me. God has a future for me. God doesn't want me to be captive. You heard the words of Jesus this morning. I came to set the captives free. And if we allow God to, I want you to hear this. The Lord will deliver us from any type of past culture that we bought into, that spirit of captivity that that has worn on us like a heavy coat. Many times our family of origin is a point of bondage. It's captivity. I I, I get around my parents and I start acting like I was 15 again. I get around my family and I, and I take that place again, that role that I used to play, the peacemaker. And, and my brother and my sister start arguing and I have to get in the middle and try and make peace again. But I'm here to tell you that's what Jesus came for. He came to set us free. And I want you to hear this. He is an expert at doing that. Jesus wants to set you free. And I don't know what's holding you back today. But can I pray for you? As we go into worship this morning, as we go to now sing these songs of devotion, these songs of alignment, these songs that tell of our priorities, 
Let's align this first. My life is yours, God. All that I am, all that I do, what I think and what I feel, you're changing the way I think. You're changing my emotions. That's, that belongs to you. But here's the thing. If you don't have a relationship with Jesus, it has to start there. My mom taught us this. My dad taught us this. My sister taught me that. My brother taught me that. Right? My uncles, my aunts, all that other stuff. See, God says, I, I want to teach you something else. I want to teach you something new. Another way of doing things. If you do not have a relationship with Jesus where he is teaching you these things, you've got to start that first. Because here's what Jesus said. I came to introduce you to the Father. And he wants, to, he wants to be your father. The Bible says this. He is a father to the fatherless. Those without dad figures. Those without literally dads. Maybe you are an orphan. Literally. Not figuratively. Literally. And God says, I'll be your father. I'll show you a new. Oh, let me love you. My arms envelop you. My arms hold you. My arms comfort you. That's who I am. It's what I do. Because listen to this. Because God is love. Would you let him love you this morning? If you are here and you've been listening to me, I, I want to give you this opportunity this morning to let God love you perfectly. And perfect love casts out all fear. You have nothing to be afraid of because God loves you. Let me pray with you. Father, if there are those who are listening to me this morning, I don't know where they're listening from, but I know we have people coming in on our stream from all over the world and all over the country, and all over the state, and all over our city. There are people who are listening. There are people who are listening on a watch party right now because someone put it up on Facebook. Because Someone, someone said, hey, join me over here. But there are people watching. And so in the name of Jesus, if you don't have a relationship with Jesus, would you simply say, that's what I want. That's what I need. Jesus, would you forgive my sins? I have sinned against you, God. Only you. You know that my fear has taken a grip. I live like a captive. I live in an exile state of mind. My heart is broken. Would you fix and repair me? Would you set this captive free? Would you let this blind person see? Jesus, that's your ministry. You said it. You started your ministry by saying that.